You know, Mother's Day is one of those great, great days. I was, uh, Kim and I were talking the other night. We had stopped for dinner. It was nice to actually be able to go into a restaurant again. I, I know I think last week I had said something about it. This week I got to go sit down in one of my favorite Mexican restaurants and eat my chips and salsa, and, and it was nice. It was nice. But it, isn't it great? To, I know that this, for Mother's Day, this is typically, what we were talking about is this is typically the most highly, uh, sun, most packed Sunday afternoons for restaurants of the year. I have seen times that we have, because sometimes you're after church, we're a little later getting out and going and trying to find a restaurant that Kim wants to eat at and the lines out the door and around the building and, and all that stuff. And so it's going to be interesting to see what it's like this week. But moms are a wonderful things. I mean, moms are unique. I mean, there, there's just something about a mom. I mean, I don't think anybody ever forgets their mom. You know, used to is a big thing. Even you'd watch somebody would score a touchdown on the, and the camera would zoom in on them and they'd mouth the words, hi, mom. You know, like dad had nothing to do with it. But <laughs> there's just something about moms. And moms are unique so much so that they even have their own definition of terms. How we know that sometimes there are terms that we know and we understand that mean something completely different to a mom. And so I, I just have a few here that I want us to look at. Dumb waiter. Dumb waiter is any waiter that has the audacity to look at the kids and ask them if they want dessert. <laughs> Feedback. It's what you get when your toddler doesn't appreciate the nutritional value of the string carrots. You get your feedback. Full name. The full name is what you referred to when you're in trouble. I knew years ago whenever I heard my mom say, David Elton Spiegel, that I was in trouble. Even though I knew I had to respond, I did not want to. Grandparents mean something different to a mom. To mom, grandparents are the people that think your children are wonderful even though you're not raising them right. <laughs> Hearsay. Hearsay is what a young kid beginning to speak does whenever somebody anywhere within earshot says a word that they shouldn't. Independent. Independent is how we want our children to be, how we raise them to be, as long as they follow the rules that we set out. <laughs> Sterilize. Sterilize is what you do to boil your first baby's pacifier, but you blow on the last one's pacifier <laughs> to sterilize it. And last top bunk to mom that's the place you never put a kid wearing superman pajamas <laughs> but as, as i was thinking about 
my my mind kind of went to an interesting place in scripture and I came up with the terminology or or the title today, Mom Hands. There is something special about mom hands. You know, as the years go by, a mom's hands may show marks. They may show age. They may show wrinkles or spots or whatever. But to me, there is still something special about a mom's hands. To me, those things to me are, are really what, you, what I would consider love etched into the hands. Oh, you, most moms would complain about their appearance. Most moms will spend money on lotions and things to try to improve the appearance of their hands, restore the youthful smoothness that they used to have. But I believe to me and to God, mom hands are one of the most beautiful things ever created. Hands that cleaned up our messes. Hands that soothed our wounds when we needed them. Hands that dealt out correction as we needed it. Hands folded in prayer on our behalf. Hands that in every way were laid on our life, that to help our lives become what God intended them to be, longing for that fulfillment, dreaming about what their lives would be. We all owe a lot to mom hands. And as I thought about that, I thought about my mind went to a passage in Scripture, 2 Timothy 1, verse 5 through 7. And Paul is talking to kind of his protege, a, a young man that, uh, that he was beginning to give responsibility in the church and a, and a man that uh, he was mentoring. And he, he sent him, you know, two letters that we, that we read that there's so much wisdom and insight. But, but this really jumped out to me when it came to the idea of mom and where I got the idea for mom hands. Getting some feedback here. says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Think about this. I know that he's talking about Timothy's grandmother and mom's hands. But if you really think about this, long before Paul had a chance to lay hands on Timothy, there were some hands that were laid on him. His mom and his grandmother. And I believe that that in many ways... Paul understood that part of what he was seeing in this young man was a product of the upbringing that Timothy received through the hands of his grandmother and his mother. Think of this. So impactful were these hands that God even allowed them to be mentioned as part of his holy word. 
Because there, no, there is nothing in his word that's just something that's, that we bypass. If it's there, it's there for a reason. And to think of the fact that, that his grandmother and his mom are called by name in God's word meant that there was something there. G. Campbell Morgan, which is a famous British preacher and teacher and writer of the early 20th century, made this statement. Because he had raised four, four sons, and all four of his sons became preachers. So here this famous preacher, there was five preachers in the family. So finally the day came that, that his youngest son, Howard, preached a message in front of a congregation. And it really caused a little bit of attention. So when the whole thing was over with, this reporter actually walked up to his son that had preached this message and said, you know what, you come from a family that is renowned for preaching the word of God. And so there are five preachers in the family. All four sons are in the ministry. I just have to know, out of your family, which one's the best preacher? He looked right at the reporter, didn't bat an eye, and said, Mom. <laughs> but let that, think, let that sink in for a moment. That, that there was such an influence from the hands and the influence of this mom that here this man that had one of the most famous preachers of his day as a father, and yet he referred to his mom as being the greatest preacher of the family. I bet that was an interesting dinner table discussion. But you see, preaching isn't always with words. Preaching many times is through action and, and through the influence of a mom's hands. Now, we may not know much about Lois, or we may not know much about Eunice. There's not a whole lot that is mentioned other than their names. But we know without a doubt that they set up Timothy to be this man of God and to become the man that he was. That this genuine faith that was lived out before him not only impacted Timothy. I mean, think about this. It started with the grandmother. It was passed on to the mom. That passed it on to Timothy. That Paul saw the influence. And Timothy influenced many for the gospel of Christ. And that influence from those mom's hands went on down the line all the way to the point that we're standing here talking about it today. That is influence of a mom's hands. So this morning... As we talk about, because there is something that there's something about when God gives us. You know, I, I've said many times, we got to go yesterday and briefly love on our new granddaughter, Bethel Kay, and we enjoyed that little bit of time, and, and those cheeks are just so cute. But you know, I was sitting there thinking the whole time, what a gift it is when God gives a child to a mom such a moldable moldable being that has an opportunity to influence for the right things and, and when God gives moms and even fathers such precious moldable life there is so much that comes through that I mean think of this every fingerprint matters 
At first, I realize this starts out as being mostly physical care. But very early on, they watch and they learn and they see how you respond to certain circumstances. They understand because as they grow, they're going to think that the environment and the handprints that you put on them, that that is the way life is to be done. Such a responsibility. So as I thought about faithful mom hands and all those things, I thought about three types of mom hands that needs to be present for every single mom. First of all, a mom needs to have model hands. You know, if you have great hands, they're really, I mean, hand models are a thing. I don't know if you knew this or not, but hand models are a thing, all right? I mean, can you imagine somebody saying, your hands are so beautiful, we need to take pictures of those hands, Seems kind of funny thing about posing hands, but you look at it, even like the, the opening slide. I mean, there was somebody that modeled those hands. So I got a little curious. I looked it up online. What does it pay to be a hand model? So ladies, I found out if you've got beautiful hands, you really ought to check into this. Because a hand model that gains a little bit of notoriety makes between $500 and $2,000 an hour. Let that sink in for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> now, I know moms well enough to know this, that most of you are thinking, not these hands. I might get a buck fifty, you know. And yes, your hand may have the spots, the, the, the wrinkles, or whatever life has brought along as you've come along through the years, through acts of service. But if those hands have been used in love to model Christ before that child, you have model hands that are priceless. If your hands have modeled Christ your model hands are priceless. Timothy was blessed to have two sets of mom hands that molded his faith and molded his life. Mama Lois, or whatever he called her, modeled for Eunice. In my case, it was Big Mama Spiegel. I was the firstborn. I got to name what the grandparents were, and Big Mama and Big Daddy is what came out of my mouth, and it stuck for all the ones that followed. <laughs> but Eunice modeled for Timothy, and this lasting legacy was formed. Can you imagine how proud they must have been of Timothy? Think about this. The apostle Paul comes along and lays his hands on Timothy, signifying a call to the ministry. And he steps into that role. Don't you know they were telling everybody that the apostle Paul laid hands on their son and grandson? Come on, right? You know what you do, right? If they have a good pose in a baseball picture, it's everywhere. I know that my mom was so proud of the call into ministry that it was almost embarrassing sometimes how everybody knew that she met that her son was a pastor. 
because it was a big deal. But what was so neat is that is that they never, ever, I, I found, it wasn't until I stepped into ministry and felt that call and stepped through that they finally told me that they'd been praying for me from the time I was born that God would call me into ministry, but they were never going to call me themselves. There's just something about that. Just think about that modeling their faith before them means that, that you show them that God is more precious than the other things on this earth. There's so many things we can chase after, but God is more precious. The actions you model speak louder than any words you will ever speak. Matter of fact, Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 says this. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And it goes on describing other ways. And basically the whole just this passage is God is laying down the law to his people and he is telling them as you do life, keep this in front of your children. So that they will grow up and know what is good and right. Don't bypass teachable moments. Be model hands. When somebody makes you so angry that you want to respond in kind, remember there are little eyes that are watching how you handle that situation. Don't bypass the teacher. When they mess up, how many know that it's not always good? to take a child's side in a dispute with authority. Talk to teachers today, and it is rare for parents to take the teacher's side in something. And there are so many people that are missing teachable moments. How many know that even your little darling can be wrong? We knew what our boys were capable of. And so on occasion, when we got the phone call from the teacher or the Sunday school teacher, we were like, yeah, I could see them doing that. And so we responded accordingly and backed up the authority. Now, when they're wrong, they're wrong. But don't pass up the teachable moments. But not only does a faithful mother have model hands, a faithful mother has what I'm calling folded hands. There's a famous ink and pencil drawing called Praying Hands that was drawn by an artist by the name of Albert Dewar. And it's famous. It's become paintings. You've probably seen it everywhere. My, my grandmother used to have a, a statue. Of, I can still picture those hands folded in prayer. But there's a story that is told about that drawing that to me is just an incredible story. See, apparently, Albert had a brother, and both of them showed pretty good promise as artists. Both of them wanted to go to art school, but they came from a poor family and couldn't quite afford that in London at the time, and so they, they kind of worked out a deal that one of them would work while the other one went to art school to pay for it, and then they would swap positions. So literally, according to the story, they flipped a coin, and Albert won. And so he went to art school. And about the time he really 
got far enough along and began to sell some of his paintings and some of his drawings and things and was kind of beginning to make money and became a little well-known in that area, he finally went to his brother and he said, okay, it's just time for, for now that, that I can kind of sustain us and support us. It's time for you to go to art school. But according to the story, his brother said, I've worked so hard and hard labor that these hands aren't tender enough to be an artist anymore. But time and time again, his mind went back to seeing his brother's hands folded in prayer, praying for him. And those hands were etched in his memory. And he drew that famous drawing of his brother's hands. See, now I realize that may not be a mom. That's the power of folded hands in prayer. I know without a doubt that I am where I am today because I had a praying mother. Think about that. Charles Spurgeon, the famous preacher, said this. said he remembered hearing his mother pray on one occasion, now, Lord, if my children go on to sin, it will not be from ignorance that they perish. In other words, mom made sure they knew, and, my, and she was telling the Lord, I've done everything I can. <laughs> the rest is up to them and to you. Lauren Sanny, of, of the uh, a famous leader of the, um, of the Navigators Movement in the first part of... Uh, the 20th century here, he was, he, it's an outreach into, one of the first people to do outreach into the marketplace, into the work world to reach executives and people for Christ. And, and uh, he comes from humble beginnings and he tells the story about how that they were going through some stuff and discovered his mom's recipe for making homemade baby formula. He said, there it was on paper, in her handwriting, the formula recipe. And on the paper, in her handwriting, the number one ingredient listed was prayer. Think about that. Can't you just picture a mom pulling together the resources to make homemade baby formula and the whole time she's stirring that pot or whatever she's doing to make it. Can you just imagine her beginning to pray over that child that God would give that child a future, folding those hands in prayer over that child? What a powerful, powerful thing. Ephesians 6, 18 tells us all this, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to the end, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Yes, we should pray all the time and we should pray for other people and other believers, but we should also all fold our hands in prayer and be praying over our children and the next generation. They need that so desperately. And there is something about a, a mom's folded hands in prayer. And what I'm talking about is, is do this. Mom, fold your hands and pray for them in front of them. 
so that they see and they hear your prayer so that they can. I remember times hearing my mom pray for me. And there is something in that that sticks with you. Now, you know, it's one thing to say you need to live like this and you need to do that and you need to do this other thing. It's, it's, and it's, it's one thing to tell them that you're praying for them, but there is something else when they hear you praying for them. And that goes for dads too, but y'all's turn is coming here in a few weeks. Pray behind their backs so that God watches over them and covers their backside. Pray for their salvation. That somewhere along the line, your faith becomes their faith. They can't make it to heaven on your faith. I can't, I'm going I'm to step off on a little bit of a rabbit trail here for a moment. I can't tell you how often I see families that because they have some background in faith, because they believe at some faith, at some level, that, that, that they're saved and they're following Christ, and yet you see nothing in their home that is pointing their kids towards Christ, and, you, and, and yet they seem to think that somehow because they believe and they have faith that their child is going to get there too. If, we're, if, if at some point it has to become their faith, your faith will not get them there. Pray for their closest to God. How many know that the, when you're walking close to him, it's easier to stay on the right path? Pray for a calling on their life. Now, it doesn't have to be like my parents did, praying that I was called into the ministry. But how many of you believe that everybody has a calling? The gifts that they have are not by accident. God gave them those giftings. God gave them those personalities. And there is a way that those things can be used to bring glory to his kingdom. We may not all be called into full-time ministry, but we're all called into ministry. There are things that we can do, you know, even if it's just speaking and sharing your, the gospel with those that you work with and those around you, but every one of us need to find our place in that kingdom. Pray for their calling. So this morning we've talked about model hands. We've talked about folding hands. But this last one is just as important. Releasing hands. Now usually, usually when you're given a gift, it's in bad taste to return it. But in this case, it's one of the greatest things you can do when God gives you that gift of a child not to say Lord I'm giving this one back they're defective (laughs) but to say Lord you gave me this gift I give it back to you for your service I give this child back to you to follow your path and your will and your purpose to me we see There is something about releasing hands of a mom. It's probably one of the most difficult, yet one of the most rewarding things you can do. 
we kind of experience it's one thing you know it's one thing in marriage that's kind of a neat moment but i tell you what the one of the times that it that impacted me the most and it impacted kim much more than it did me and it hit me pretty good too was when we drove Derek up to lubbock helped him get his stuff in his dorm room for college and drove off and left him there that was hard that was hard but the education that he got set him up for so much in life and just watching what God did to see because you know we'd raised him I mean he didn't have a choice if he was in our house he was in church on Sunday he was in church on Wednesday and if there was a Sunday night he was in church on Sunday night I mean it was just part of it I remember many times when we first when we first landed on staff at Saxe Assembly. They had the more traditional Sunday nights, and so everybody gathered in the sanctuary, and they had the, the rows of chairs on the fl- platform. And so if you were on, on staff, you had to sit on the platform. And so I remember sitting in that chair and watching Kim down somewhere, you know, a f- couple rows back, sometimes towards the front with Derek there on a Sunday night. And I had to sit there and watch as worship was going on or as pastor was preaching. And and I had to watch her get up, take Derek out to the bathroom for a little correction, bring him back, sit down, sometimes two or three times during a service. I remember her making this statement. Why do I even go? So he didn't, have a, he didn't have a choice growing up. But when you take them and you release them into an environment like dropping them off at college, we weren't there anymore to say, Derek, get up, get dressed, go to church. It was all up to him now. We had to release and trust. We felt the peace about him going to that school. We had prayed for it but he had gotten a partial scholarship to Texas Tech University to be a part of their music program and so we, we watched all, all that happen and I, I will tell you this I, I don't know whether or not he was perfect that's between him and God all I know is this is that he got up and he looked around and tried a few places until he found a church that he got plugged into And the next thing we knew, he was playing drums on their worship team. Talk about proud parents. Because we did what we could, and we released him. There is something about that release. But to me, if you look at that, the greatest example of that I can think of is Hannah. You know, Hannah had a husband that loved her very much. Oh, Hannah loved him, loved her so much. But, you know, I don't know why people in the Old Testament times thought having more than one wife was a good idea, but every example I read, it didn't really seem like it was a very good idea. (laughs) He also had a wife named Panina that seemed to, that she had children and Hannah didn't, and she let Hannah know about it at every turn. The Bible talks about how that it was just this constant torment 
for Hannah, constantly being reminded, even though technically, according to Scripture, Hannah was kind of his favorite. Hence another problem with the multiple wives thing. We're not going there today. But she never, she never let her let it rest. And so they would make the family trip to the temple once a year, and they would have the feast time. And I mean, it seemed like that, according to Scripture we read, it seemed like that would be the time that she'd just ramp up the digs that Hannah didn't have any children. And we read that on one occasion, Hannah has enough, and she leaves, and she goes to the temple and just begins to weep and cry before the Lord and say, Lord, if you will just give me a child, if you will give me a son, I will give him to you. You know the story. Eli, the high priest, is there, and he goes up. He thinks this lady's had a little bit too much to drink, but she assures him that she hadn't, and she lays out her story. And Eli blesses her and prays for her. And God answers that prayer. God gives her a son, and she names him Samuel. But you know what? The thing that I think is so cool about this story is probably every single one of us at some point in time made a promise to God. God, if you will do A, I will do B. And then when God does A, somehow we try to find a loophole to get out of B. But to me, one of the greatest things about this story is Hannah followed through with her promise. When it came time, she released Samuel. Talk about what had to be a a proud mama. Let's read it. First Samuel one, I'm just gonna read twenty six through twenty eight. But Hannah has returned to the temple. And she's brought Samuel with her. And she said, Oh Lord, oh my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord for this child I prayed. And the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. She showed up. She followed through that promise. Here's what I'm getting at. Hannah folded her hands in prayer before he was born and prayed for this gift, promising that she would dedicate him to the Lord and that he would be used for his service. She she must have modeled some things before him because when she came and she left him, it says Samuel worshiped the Lord there. There had to have been some basis that was given to this precious child in his home. And if you know the rest of the story, Eli's sons weren't so great. Eli's sons were supposed to be the next priests, but yet they, were, they disqualified themselves, and God took them out of the picture. And Samuel go, went on and became the high priest that became a deliverer of Israel, that became this incredible, incredible man of God. And it all started with a mom that folded her hands in prayer. There was a model mom before him, 
And when the time came, released her son to be what God had called him to be. To me, that is one of the most successful mom stories we could ever use it as, as an example. I hardly ever do a baby dedication that I don't use that story as part of the dedication because it's such an example. There is something about releasing. I, kind of a story that I laugh at from my past. We first felt called into the ministry and all those things were taking place. I had a, a friend that was, that was in the same church we grew up in and, and both of us were kind of called into the ministry at the same time and kind of following the process. And, and his mom and my mom were really good friends and, and they were talking one day. And to me, this is, I find this the most interesting thing in the world is that my mom was, was saying, you know, I don't know where God's going to call him, where God's going to take him, but I'm just excited that he's following us. So wherever he goes, we're going to trust God. The other mom was, oh, no. I'm glad God's calling him, but he's going to stay right here in this area. The interesting thing is, he got called halfway across the nation. We moved. I got called from Mesquite to Saxe. So I'm telling you, to me, there's a lesson to be learned there. Release and let God have his way, right? But the point being is just simply this. There is something about when we release. There is something about what Hannah followed. And when we dedicate them to the Lord, there is a power in dedication. I, I know that, that we're, we don't teach that, that they're saved at the point that they're dedicated because there's still a process that God has to work out in their lives. But there is something about when we take a child and we bring them forth and we say, Lord... You gave us this child, and I know that they're not old enough yet to fulfill everything that you've called them to do, but Lord, as mom, as parents, we give this child to you. We dedicate this child to you, and there is something about that process when we say, Lord, this is your gift, and when the time comes, I give this gift back to you. I will release this gift to do what you've called this child to be, and there is something about that that is powerful. And that's something that as moms, we must, we, you guys must be willing to do. As parents, we must. You know, I look at it this way. Baby dedication is part, it's not just saying, Lord, this child is yours. It's a dedication of you as moms. It's the dedication of you as parents saying, not only, Lord, will we give this child to you, we will do everything we can to make sure that the hands and the fingerprints and the things that we put in this child's life is that they have the right hands laid on them, the right influences around them, that we will have model hands before this child so that they know, so that we will train that child up in the way that they should go. We will have hands that we will fold in prayer over this child, that God will have a purpose and a direction for that life. We will do what we can, and then when the time comes, release that child to fulfill what God has called them to do. 
Can you imagine how proud Hannah must have been to see what her son became? A world changer, a nation changer. So this morning, as we prepare to pray, I want you to hold this image in your mind. If there's anything to write down, it's this statement. The folded hands of a mom in prayer are the makings of a masterpiece. The folded hands of a mom in prayer are the makings of a masterpiece. Now, I realize sometimes we go along in life and we didn't get it all right. But there's always a right time to start. How many of you are thankful that Jesus died on the cross to give us do-overs? We can't do anything about the past. But we can move forward from where we're at. And I love how that God is, you know, have you ever missed a turn on your GPS? And it says rerouting. God is the master rerouter. No matter how far off course we get, he has a way, he knows the route to get us back to where we're supposed to be. I have seen story after story of even parents that didn't necessarily raise their kids right, but as God transformed their life, all of a sudden they saw that their kids saw what was happening in the parents' life, and it led them to get their lives together. There is just something about it. I'm telling you, I don't think it's ever too late because parents still have influence. Up until the day my mom died, up until the time came when my father passed away, there were still decisions I faced in life, even though an adult married person with kids, that I would call and say, Mom, Dad, what do you think? Our hands still have influence. If you would stand with me, I want us to pray for the moms. I know we're supposed to be careful about touching and all that, but if you're if you're if your mom's close by, go ahead and lay a hand on her or your wife or whatever. Let's just pray for the moms to bless them and to give them the strength to do what they need to do. And for those of you that at home, I would just say that Please, gather around those that, uh, that are close to you. Lay your hands on your mom. If your mom's at a distance, give her a call later and pray for her. And I guarantee you she'll appreciate it. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for each and every one of these moms. Lord, there are, who knows the stories? Who knows the times that mom's hands were laid on a life? when things were modeled by what they did with their hands, when, when there was hands folded in prayer and when the hands were released at the right time or even times when there were hands of correction. 
Lord, I personally thank you for all of those things. Lord, I pray over each and every mom this morning that is here that you would bless them, that you would touch them, that you would minister to them. For those at home, Lord, that you would do the same thing, that you would just lay your hands on them. Lord, they're such a precious gift. Lord, there's no doubt that just like Lois and Eunice affected Timothy, Lord Jesus, that there's moms everywhere, Lord, that have affected the lives. Lord, I pray that they would continue to be an influence. I pray for those that that perhaps as I've talked about this, that realize that they haven't done everything as well as they should, but Lord God, that you would bless them and touch them and let them step into being the mom that they should be and to be the right influence. Lord, I pray for moms that have, that have prayed, that they have tried to model, and but they've got children that aren't following the right path because of decisions that they made. Lord, I pray that you would draw those children back home, that you would draw them back to you, Lord Jesus, and you would answer the heart cry of that mom just like you did, Hannah. Lord, I pray for those that are new mothers. Lord, I pray that you would give them a sense, Lord, of the responsibility that you've given them. And Lord, I pray that they fulfill it right and in an incredible way. Lord, we give you praise. We ask you to be with us. Lord, I pray that every mom would feel honored and loved this day as we give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for joining us today. There is the, uh, the offering box is out on the counter. We thank you for your faithfulness. For those that are online, you can give online. God bless and have a blessed day.